At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This Christmas season, we invite you to look deeper into the incredible covenants God made with His people in Scripture. Tune into our current series, Gift Wrapped, From Longing to Lavish, to discover God's unwavering promises to meet the ultimate longings of our heart and ultimately renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. So here we are, Woodside Romeo. I think Woodside Romeo is such a, a beautiful, beautiful place at Christmas time. Just stunning. I, I'm, I'm so thankful to Kelly, to, to Kevin. To, I mean, there was a whole team of people making this happen. If you're in the overflow room, you see that's decorated as well. There was a team of people there. there we had workers outside. Like, so just thank you so much to everyone who worked to make this happen. You know, Christmas is that season where we pause and we reflect on the goodness of Jesus coming to this earth, right? It's a time where we pause and we reflect on the year that we've been in and the fact that it's coming to a close, right? It's where we, we long for and look for the future. And so some of you, it's that Christmas list, right? So you're writing out your Christmas list and you're thinking, I didn't know I was going to cook so much at home this year. I need new pots and pans. That's what I'm asking for, for pots and pans. You're putting that on the list. Some of you are like, nope, Nerf guns. That's what I'm asking for because I know we're going to be inside a lot this winter and I am not going to lose the Nerf gun war. Oh no, I'm building my arsenal, you know, and you're the grandparents and you're building the arsenal, right? You know what you're asking for for Christmas. Some of you, you're asking for a PlayStation 5, but you ain't going to get it because they're sold out. <laughs> you're not getting it. Forget it. They're sold out. Some of you, you feel kind of like this kit now, maybe. Let me go ahead and put the picture up of Santa up here. You've probably seen this on social media because it's been making the rounds. If you haven't, let me read. This kid, he's now 13, and he was commenting. That's what I saw his comments first, but his mom posted it, and she said this. She said, we taught our baby sign language. This is the sign for help. <laughs> You're welcome. So maybe, thanks, mom. Maybe you're kind of like this kid, and you're like, I could just use some help this Christmas, right? But we all have those knee-jerk reactions. When I ask you, what is it that you really want for Christmas? Everyone has that thing that you answer without really thinking about. But I think at the end of the day, what we long for is we long for security and love and blessing and relationship. We long for those things that come from the promises of God, those promises of God we call covenants. Covenants make up really the backbone of the whole storyline of Scripture. They help to unfold the biblical narrative. And so this is a sermon series. If you're joining us for the first time, this is a sermon series where we are going to walk through the covenants, the promises of God through Scripture. And I'm just going to tell you where we're going. We're going toward Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is where we will talk about the new covenant that we have in Christ Jesus. Take your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter 15 this morning. Genesis chapter 15, where we are going to look at the covenant with Abraham. The covenant with Abraham is in Genesis 12, 15, and 17. In Genesis 12, God goes to Abraham, who's Abram, Abram and Abraham, same guy, right? So he goes to Abram at the time. He says, Abram, I'm going to make this promise to you. You're going to have descendants, so many descendants. You're going to be given a land. You're going to be a nation. And that's where he starts to push back. Abraham's like, Lord, I don't, I don't know about all that. Like, how do I know? And maybe, maybe you're kind of in that boat this morning. How can I trust the promises of God? 
How can I trust in those covenants of the Lord? How can, I, how can I believe what he says is true? And that brings us to our big idea today. The big idea is that God's promises are firmly anchored in God's character. God's promises are firmly anchored in his character, which means you can believe God's promises because it's who he is. It's his character. It is who he is. So let's look. Genesis chapter 15 Starting in verse 1, the Bible says this. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield, and your reward shall be very great. So church, sometimes we are full of doubts, aren't we? Sometimes we are full of fears. That happens to us. Now, in this particular case, not only is he doubting because at the time he's like, Lord, you're saying I'm going to have a lot of descendants. I'm 75 years old. My wife's no spring chicken either, right? We're kind of getting up there in age. Now, I would say maybe you're 75, but I, I had to make this personal for me. I have two sons. My youngest is a senior in high school. So the Lord came to me right now. And said, hey, Billy, I just want you to know that you're getting ready to have lots and lots and lots of kids. I'd freak out just a little bit, (laughs) y'all. I would. Because I'm going to be like, Lord, have you seen my driver's license? I got a lot of gray in this beard. Like, I'm, I'm not young anymore. I'm kind of an old guy now. Amy's still young. But me... You know, I'm different. I'm kind of old, Lord. And that's where Abram's at. Abram's kind of debating with the Lord, right? We're old. Lord, how is this going to happen? How are you going to fulfill these promises? How can I know that this is true? And in the midst of that, church, his nephew Lot was a victim of a tribal ambush. He was, he was abducted. Then Lot was rescued. But I want you to think about that. Even though Lot was rescued, Abram's still in that place of going, this world around me. It is shaky at best. This world around me, I'm looking and I see the chaos of the world around me. Lord, how do I, how do I know that what you're saying is true? How can I trust it? And so the Lord comes to him. As the Lord comes to him, the first thing he says is, don't be afraid. Some of you this morning, you need to hear that. Because you are facing a lot of stuff right now. And maybe it's COVID, and maybe it's sickness, and maybe it's your business, and maybe it's, it's finances, and maybe it's relationships. Maybe you're, you're watching online, and you haven't even been back in person yet, and you're like, there's a lot of stuff pressing on me right now. I feel separated from the church body, and I'm going to tell you the encouragement is, and you need to hear this this, this morning, don't be afraid. And some of you are going, that's great, Billy. Why should I not be afraid? That's what Abraham asked too. That's why God, very next thing he says is, I am your shield. Do you see that? You want to know why you shouldn't be afraid? God says to Abram, because I'm your shield. I've got you covered. The arrows of life are going to come at you. The earth, yes, it is shaky at best. And yet I've got you covered, Abram. I have got you covered. And the thing is, church, here we are thousands of years later. We have redemption in Christ Jesus, and yet we need that same reminder, don't we? Because, man, it does. It happens just like that. All of a sudden, we start looking at how chaotic everything is, and we need the reminder, don't be afraid. He's our shield. That's why it is so important for us to gather together on Sundays. It is so important. 
So for those of you in this room, those of you down the overflow room, if you are on, let me talk just to people online for a moment. If you are online, I just want to thank you so much for having the courage to sign on. My encouragement goes beyond that, though. I want you to sign on every week. Church, there are hundreds of people, literally hundreds every week, signing online to, to watch the services and participate online. But, but what I want you to do is not just like sign on this Sunday and then take two off because you're like, I'm pretty good. And then I'll sign on again and then I'll watch for a week and then I'll be out for two weeks because no one knows whether I'm here or not. You know each other there. So what I want you to do is as you're online, even right now, I want you talking to each other. Like there's other people watching at the same time you're watching. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Be there for one another. Don't just try to do this in silo. We are not called to walk this faith journey alone. And the same is true for us, guys. This is not like we go one Sunday a month and then we're good and it's all God's. But maybe for you right now, you're going, you're talking about all these things in life. Billy, truth is, for me right now, I'm real happy. Like, I don't know anyone who's been sick. I don't know anyone whose job has been impacted by COVID. I don't know any churches who have had to change their schedules. Like, I'm real happy right now. If that's you, that's awesome. Like, that's, <laughs> that, that's interesting. But, that, <laughs> but that's awesome. What I want you to do is I want you to be a megaphone for this. I want you to be a megaphone to people around you to say to them, don't be afraid. He's our shield. Because there are people around you right now who they need to hear that truth. And the reality is, it may not happen today. It may not happen next week. But I am telling you, friends, it is going to hit. It does. Jesus says, in this world, we are going to have trouble. You can count on it. We are going to have trouble. And you're going to need someone speaking life into you, telling you, don't be afraid. He is our shield. That's what the Lord does in this moment, which takes us to the second assurance we have as a response to God's character. And that is we need to believe in God's promises. Let's read verses 2 through 17. It's a big chunk of scripture here. Abram then says, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside, and he said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, bring me a heifer, three years old. A female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. 
but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, the smoking fire pot and flaming torch passed between these pieces. So God reassures Abram with grace and love. Abram's debating him, right? Lord, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be. You're saying that I'm going to have all these descendants. I don't even have an heir. But probably what you're going to do, God, is you're going to make my servant Eliezer. Like, he's going to be the guy, right? I mean, I know that. See, this is what Abram does. He, later Abraham, same guy. Abraham has a way of getting impatient. You'd never do that, but Abraham does that sometimes. He gets impatient with the Lord. He gets in front of the Lord a little bit instead of trusting in the moment. And so that's what he's doing here. He's saying, I mean, I don't even have an heir, so you're probably going to make my servant. And God says, no, I'm I'm not going to make your servant. You're going to have your own son. Your own son. And then one of my favorite scenes in all of Scripture, he says, hey, Abram, come here. And they go outside. Once they get outside, he says, Abram, look up. Look at the stars in the sky. Can you imagine that moment? Abraham's just kind of looking around at all the stars in the sky. He says, okay, Abram, count the stars. You can almost see God shaking his head like, you, you, you can't count. I know the stars by name, but you can't count them. Like, there's no way. You can't do it. But that's how your descendants will be. And so here's my question for you. If the Lord called you to something, and maybe others would look at it as a small thing. Maybe you look at it as a giant thing. But if the Lord called you to something, how would you respond to it? Because you know what I think? I think in our heads sometimes we scoff at God. We go, Lord, me? You want, I'm not going to do that. Here's the thing, though. We're not going to scoff at God. In our heads we do. But I don't think in real life we do. I think in real life maybe we have doubts. Maybe we try to debate God a little bit. I think we have more reverence for the Lord than to try to scoff at him. But I think we do like try to do this wrestling match and, and, and throw our doubts at him and tell him every reason why we don't see it'll work. But yet notice what Abram does. It says, he believed the Lord. Isn't that powerful? And the Lord counted it to him as righteousness, meaning, Abram, you have a right standing with God now. Not because you did anything. You believed. That's what you did. You believed. Friends, those of you who are Christians, our salvation comes through faith. It comes through the exact same way. It comes because you believe. You are saved, not because you go to church enough. Not because you sign online enough. Not because you give enough to the end of year offering. Not because you go Christmas caroling loud enough. Not because of any of those enough. Your gingerbread house was the winner. That's not what, what saves us. That's not what gives us the right standing with God. It's through faith in Jesus. It's through faith in the fact that he came and he lived and he died and he lived again. It's faith in Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's how we're saved. That's what gives us the right standing with God. So then what we see in verses 7 through 19 is we see God cut this covenant 
with Abraham. This is awesome. Now, if you're not familiar with a lot of the Old Testament, this was a ceremony. This was a ceremony between God and Abraham to really show the promise that's going to exist between them. And so three animals are taken, right? And three animals are literally split into half. So you can imagine like half, 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 half. You can imagine the scene. And then it continues on in verse 9 and tells him what he's to do. In verse 13 and 14, though, God goes to Abram and he says, let me, let me tell you what this promise is going to be. This promise is going to be that your descendants, they will be, what's it say? It says that they will be afflicted, they will be slaves, and then they will be redeemed. Then I will rescue them. I will buy them out of slavery. Abram, we know from verse 15, he won't see this promise fulfilled in his lifetime. We know from verse 16, it's generations ahead that will see this fulfillment. So let me tell you how the contract was supposed to work. The contract was supposed to be Abraham on one side, God on the other, and they walk toward each other with these animals, these halved animals, as they say, I'll uphold my end of the bargain. You uphold your end of the bargain. If you don't, may I become like one of these animals. Do you see that scene? That's the scene we're talking about. But that's not what God does. This is the big plot twist here with this covenant. God comes to Abram in the middle of the night when he's in a deep sleep, and notice that Abram isn't standing in the middle with God. This is God alone saying, here's the promise that I'm going to keep. I'm not asking you to agree to anything, Abram, because you probably wouldn't be able to keep up your end of the bargain anyway. So this is not based off of what you say. This is not based off of what you do. This is not based off of anything you can promise. This is the promise that I'm making, and I will keep it because that's who I am. Isn't that awesome? Anytime I walk with a, a couple through the marriage ceremony process, we talk about the difference in covenant and contract. Because a contract, Abe talked about it last week, a contract is where you keep your end of the bargain, I keep my end of the bargain, or the contract's broken, right? Like, I'm going to do work on your house, which would be a bad plan, but I'm going to do work on your house, and you're going to pay me money, right? And when I do the work, you pay me the money. That's how the contract works. If I don't show up, you don't have to pay me money. Very simple. That's not how the marriage covenant's supposed to work. The marriage covenant is different. It's where you say, for better or for worse, for richer, for poor, meaning no matter what we're facing I'm with you. I'm in. Like, I, I'm not out because all of a sudden you do something that I don't think is good. That's not the way that covenant works. That's the covenant that God sets with Abram. It reminds me of Hebrews chapter 6, where the writer of Hebrews says, because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that through two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope that is set before us. Finally, we see that we anticipate God's provision of a forever home. Let's look at verse 18 through 21. It says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So the final four verses, 
what it does is it marks out the boundary. It says, God goes, I've already promised it's going to come through your heir, that you're going to have all these descendants, and I'm going to give you a land. Let me give you the boundaries of that land. Now, maybe you're tempted to skip to the back and look at the maps to see, did God give them that land? But you can really save your energy and just look at Joshua. Joshua chapter 23, this is the one who actually led the people into the promised land. 23:14, he says, and now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. And so quite literally, Joshua says, here we are, and we are witnesses of the fact that God has fulfilled his promise. We have inherited the land that he promised because Abram understood something. God understood something that we as people, we are going to long for a home. We're going to long for a home. And it wasn't just the Old Testament. You see, the covenant that we have in Christ Jesus says we long for a forever home too. Because we are exiles in this land. We are sojourners. This earth is not our forever home. We're reminded of that in Hebrews 11 where it says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. You know, we may not get to see all the promises of God. But that ladybug is going to get me. But we, we trust that it's there. It says, But having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland, that they've been thinking of the land from which they had gone out. They would have had the opportunity to return, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Of course, what the writer's talking about is what we read in Revelation chapter 21. This is what we're longing for, friends. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's the promise we're longing for. That's what we're hoping for that we haven't yet seen. Soon, but not yet. So this Christmas, we all have our list, don't we? I want the Nerf gun, I want the pots and pans. I want help. We all have the things that we're hoping for. Friends, my encouragement is don't forget that what we're here to share is the truth that Jesus came to this earth to fulfill promises that God has made. That's why we're here. We're here to talk about that light of Jesus piercing the darkness. Let's not forget to give the greatest gift this world has ever seen. Father, we thank you for the promises that we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the truth of Hebrews chapter 11, of Revelation 21, talking about this home that we're aching for. Lord, I know I have brothers and sisters in this room, online, 
who have been through it this year. They're going through it right now. And so, Lord, I would just ask that you continue to be that same grace and peace and encouragement that you were to Abram in chapter 15 of Genesis. Lord, will you be that God who says, don't be afraid, I'm your shield. Because as your sons and daughters, we need you. Lord, let us be faithful today and continue to speak the truth about the promises of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.